Good morning, church. I'm Jess Grzeski. I'm on staff here at Reality as a Leadership Care and Support Director. It's good to be with you this morning. Today, I want to share with you what I've been learning about the actions of Jesus in waiting. And I want to focus on a particular kind of waiting. I'm not talking like the gleeful reopening of Suvla, where we rush and are willing to wait in line for Froyo. I'm talking about the waiting that sometimes we don't really have a choice to do. It's the kind of waiting that we are longing for Jesus to answer. We have a lot of questions and we're not quite sure what to do in the waiting. So, you know, often this kind of waiting isn't chosen. You know, we find ourselves longing for God to show us meaning and purpose in our waiting. So let's open our Bibles to our text today in John 11. We're going to be reading through this chapter as well as other passages, so I will keep you on your toes, but let's begin in John 11. Verse 1 says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to the disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, a friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Let's pray. Lord, would you be with us this morning? Would you continue to reveal to us what you want to show us about waiting? Would you show us your purposes and instill in us a deep sense of you with us in every longing and waiting moment? We need you. Would you continue to be with us? Would you give us ears and eyes to hear and see the ways that you are working? Thank you for your presence. Amen. Part of our discipleship to Jesus involves all kinds of waitings. Have you ever noticed that? That often we're waiting, we're praying, and we wait. And we ask, and we wait. And we listen, and we wait. There's a lot of waiting involved in our discipleship to Jesus. But we can take comfort because this kind of waiting is to be expected in our life with God. In our waiting, God is doing something. We also get to respond to his invitations in waiting. Jesus shows us why and how to wait and that he is always doing something in our waiting. Also, we find ourselves in this collective global pandemic where I would find it hard pressed for us not to relate to waiting for something. When can we gather? When can we see people? 
When can we gather as a church? When can we stop wearing masks? When does school start? All these questions of us in these periods of waiting. We can relate to this. And there's much that we can learn from Jesus when he waits and what he's doing when he's inviting us to wait with him. It's not like Jesus forgot to respond to a prayer, like we would respond to an email. He's actually waiting there with confidence, he's deliberate in his waiting, and he's unhurried. Even in waiting, Jesus knew that God was at work. You know, and Jesus himself was no stranger to knowing what waiting felt like. He was 30 years old when he started his public ministry. Can you imagine the waiting of 30 years to fulfill what God had promised? And even before he started his public ministry, he knowingly entered a deeply formative experience of being in the wilderness for 40 days. It's really hard to imagine that even after that, maybe he'd be so excited to start his ministry. Yet after that temptation time, he stopped and had to wait almost a year to begin his ministry. I cannot imagine what this must have felt like. And here in our text, we see him chose that he chose to have the disciples Lazarus, Mary, and Martha wait. We find ourselves in John, verse 4. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to the disciples, Let us go back to Judea. I just want to look at Jesus' response and actions. He made them wait for not just a moment or a day, but two days. Could you imagine the pleading and the hope of Lazarus' family with the hope and expectation that Jesus was going to come quickly and respond, especially to something that they deeply longed for and were worried about? I can't imagine what their thought process was with each passing moment that Jesus did not come to their aid. What kind of confusion might have been there? let alone the heartbreaking disappointment that would slowly creep in as just crushing their expectation. That is really hard. You know, and have you ever desired something so deeply that the disappointment of either not hearing anything or continuing to wait is really crushing as well? Perhaps you've been waiting for something for what you think is a long time. Sometimes I think a day is a long time, but let alone something for a year or decades or lifetimes, or perhaps generations. And even in this time of COVID, we can relate to something that we might be waiting for. Maybe it's the news of a tragic death, or illness, or health diagnosis, and we're left with questions. Maybe it's a time where we've lost our job in the time of COVID, and we're not sure what our next step is. And maybe it's us in shelter in place that we're not quite sure when this whole thing will blow over so that we can be together again. And maybe just in our culture that we're horrified at the oppression of the marginalized people in our country. And we are just pleading to God to make it stop. You know, waiting in God can sometimes even create deeper sorrow and confusion. It's when our questions and pleading go unanswered or what seems like unresponsiveness to God. This can be, we can imagine that God is somewhat being kind of cruel or heartless but we experience deep despair and disappointment when we have unmet expectations and we're not quite sure that God is in these moments of waiting. 
You know, in this moment too, we actually need to be watchful and use discernment and wisdom. These are those times that we're most vulnerable, that the enemy would love nothing more to come in and throw us off and distract us from per- keep, to keep pursuing God. You know, in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 5, it says, For though we lived in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We should take comfort that we can expect these trials and opposition, but we must stand firm and remember God's promise to us that he is with us as we continue to wait and as we pursue him. In Psalm 9, 9 through 10, our comfort is the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. And on a personal note, I want to add that nothing about this is easy. It's actually hard. It's actually really hard. (laughs) And personally, it's been one of the hardest seasons in my discipleship to Jesus when I'm asked to wait or find myself in seasons of waiting. It's even harder when it's something I really long or desire. And also for me, the longing of marriage and motherhood have been particularly forming. But also, even in light of COVID, there's things that I've had to put to death of dreams and hopes and ambitions that it's really hard to stay focused on God and to pursue him during that. Sometimes seeing how Jesus' actions, they actually encourage, encourage and compel me to keep pursuing God, no matter how difficult and hard the waiting can be. And in these times, maybe you can relate to some of my thinking and my questioning of God. They're not always nice. They're actually really honest and sometimes really angry. And I think that's the point, is that he wants us to come to him in brutal honesty. I ask questions like, you know, God, why are you making me wait? Like, what's the delay? Obviously, I'm not this nice about it. I'm actually quite angry sometimes when I'm talking to him. But it's even deeper levels of like, God, do you even care what's happening to me? Or maybe, God, are you even who you say you are? And what makes this hard about waiting is that often these periods can show up and feel like trial periods. These waiting periods are not meant to diminish pain, but highlight the deeper invitations from God to be with him. These times of waiting can be used as a purification process as seen in Malachi 3.3. It says, he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. You know, purification is a process which removes contaminants or renders something pure. So in this, we look at waiting because it helps purify our souls. So I want to share with you five things that we can glean from Jesus and how waiting purifies our life. The first one is waiting purifies our prayer life. You know, God invites us to learn how to pray deeply in our waiting. Prayer is one of the most powerful actions to engage in because it builds intimacy with him. We learn how to navigate the tension of the in-between and the not-yet-heaven reality. This is really hard tension sometimes to live in, but through prayer, we can get a glimmer or a glimpse of understanding what God is doing. We engage in prayer as resistance or advocacy or change or transformation and many other works of God he invites us with. 
You know, and perhaps you're in this waiting season and you've actually stopped praying. Friends, I want to encourage you to keep asking, to continually seek, and to pray without ceasing. In Ephesians 6, 18, it says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. I've had to really learn how to be brutally honest and bold in my prayers with God. Prayer takes practice and it's a learning and forming experience because it can be risky. It's extremely vulnerable to open up to God, especially when you're requesting or asking something that's of great significance or something that you deeply desire. You know, it's risky because it's scary because the answer you may not get might not be the one you like, it might not be in the time frame you want, or you might just go unanswered for now. However, the more we talk with God, the easier it is to become, to share and be vulnerable. There's a trust that's being built with God, like any relationship. And there actually becomes a shift that it's actually harder and more tiring not to trust God. So prayer helps us learn and recognize how and where God is always at work. The second point is waiting purifies where our true hope lies. In Galatians 5, 5 says, but when we have the true hope that comes from being made right with God and by the spirit, we wait eagerly for this hope. Our heart yearns in waiting and waiting on God helps to direct that yearning to reveal where a true hope resides. In waiting, Jesus's work is not delayed because of our disappointment or despair. True hope continues amidst and despite waiting and true hope is not easily swayed by circumstances. We can see that in Martha's response with Lazarus, they are explaining and telling Jesus that if he had been there, this whole death could have been prevented. And what strikes me about Martha is that she's extremely honest. She's not afraid to come to Jesus with her brutal honesty. And despite her disappointment, she still has hope and believes. In verse 17, it says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. The third point is that waiting purifies our dependence on God. In these difficult periods of waiting, I sometimes think I can influence God by trying to control my circumstances or responses and actions of others. You know, the unknown can be really terrifying, especially in seasons of waiting, and the lack of understanding of what God is up to can even be more terrifying. You know, it seems even when the bigger things that we're waiting for are bigger the desire and bigger the longing, it's actually scarier. But waiting allows us to see what and who we are relying on besides God. 
An example I can give is what I've mentioned earlier, my longing for motherhood and marriage. You know, I spent my 20s and 30s trying to control every aspect of searching and finding a partner. And some of it was superficial and really silly. It's like, was such a waste of time, guys. It was, I got haircuts and dogs and like all these things that I thought would affect that process, which thank God that phase is over. But of the other things I thought would satisfy is when it went deeper is like, I thought about career changes and where to move, or I thought the grass is always greener than where I am right now in my circumstances. You know, and here I am about to turn 40 this year. And honestly, I can say that waiting with God has been one of the most intimate, but hard and joyful and rewarding experiences. That I've learned that the only true thing that will satisfy is God. My soul dependence lies on Him. You know, now this doesn't mean that I needed to trade my dependence for hope. In fact, I actually have more hope because I'm closer and more intimate with God. But my perspective has shifted and that I rely solely on God in waiting and joining him in what he's doing instead of me trying to control everything. You know, we also learn that in waiting, our dependence on God is not related to our level of understanding. Thank God, there's so much things I don't understand about the world or God's nature. And in his mystery, that is a beautiful thing to be able to discover with him. In fact, Jesus's work is not inhibited by our lack of understanding. He knows what he's doing, and he's always been at work. We find in John 11, at verse 11, it says, After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. I love Jesus' thought process here. I also love how direct and blunt Jesus is, and it shows that his plan was already in motion and at work, despite the disciples being so clueless and unaware. The fourth point is waiting purifies or sacrifices. Sometimes I really dislike that sacrifice is a verb. You know, waiting highlights and reveals that sometimes we have to let things fully die in order to experience life. We are waiting to discover what other work God might be up to, and we are knowingly sacrificing the good for the best when it comes to waiting. At this point in the story of Lazarus, we're struck with Martha's words at just how dead Lazarus was. Four days. Yet Jesus knew what God was doing despite death. We pick up in verse 38 where it says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, she said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? In seasons of waiting, there are a couple questions that I ask myself to consider maybe what's gonna help us purify our sacrifices. We can ask ourselves questions like, what good might we be needing to sacrifice? Are there things right now that we're willing to let go? Perhaps things that need to die, like a dream or a hope or an expectation, maybe expectation of someone or something? 
And are we letting ourselves fully process this with God? I wish I could just jump from point A to B, but the process of waiting is with God. And perhaps is God revealing something new to us in that? Number five is waiting purifies our praise. The end goal and purpose of our waiting is to experience and bring God glory. Waiting with God helps us see and experience things through the lens of Jesus. We begin to see how he waits and the purpose of his waiting. We reflect back in John 11 verse 4. says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. And further on again in verse 40, says, Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And I don't know about you, but, but there are a lot of things that can happen in my times of waiting that might communicate things other than God that are being praised and glorified. Often I might start praising myself for a good job or hard work or that I've just like persevered through something hard. But part of the waiting process is to help distinguish between who I am actually directing my praise and glory to. You know, is my response genuine and authentic? But waiting helps purify these motivations. We look at the passage again, beginning in verse 41, where we see the true actions that are worthy of praise only to God. It says, so that they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. We see that this purpose was for God's glory above all else. And even further, this miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead was for the benefit of all people to know who God was. In verse 43, it says, When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. There's glory to God because he has overcome death like he promised. So in closing, church, I want to encourage you to continue to actively wait like Jesus that we will actively hope with the knowledge and promise that no amount of waiting and earthly time will diminish the miracle and glory that would be revealed in God's promises. Let's remember that we are to not fear waiting. God is always at work. He knows what he's doing in our waiting. And in our waiting, it might feel like he's forgotten, but he has not forgotten. Waiting is not a waste of time. And Jesus' power is not diminished by waiting. We are not to fear death because death does not have the final say. And waiting is all for the glory of Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, would you be with us as we continue to learn how to actively and intentionally wait like you? Continue to give us insight and hope into the ways of being and to act as you act and to do as you did. Lord, I pray for those waiting. Would you reveal your glory? Would you continue to give us your presence and the Holy Spirit to comfort and guide and inspire us to cling to your true hope? We thank you for your presence and we thank you for being with us. Amen.